Welcome to Happy Path Programming. I'm Bruce Eckle. I'm James Ward. So let's see, what should we start with? You want to start with uh, conferences? Let's start with conferences. Okay, because um, uh, it's basically a week before the SDFU starts here yes, in Crested Butte. the Bute. Summer Tech Forum Unconference. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's going to be small, but uh, I've been... I've been, I regularly have learning experiences where I realize, oh, bigger isn't always better. Yeah. And um, uh, you can do, you have a different experience with a smaller group of people, but it's still very good. Yeah. So it doesn't, but there's a, you know, there's a, there's a little voice in me that says, well, successful means larger, but no. Yeah. We'll have a, we'll have an awesome time. What does success mean? Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, for a conference, or what do well, or just in general, what 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 have we been programmed to believe? That There's that, but then means... it's like, what do we value out of this? Right, you know what what needs are fulfilled? Yeah, and I think what we have learned over many years is that the actual need is not the technical knowledge, although we get plenty of that. It's the connection. Hmm. So. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of what people go to conferences for is the connection. But they don't know that. Right. They, it's not, it's yeah. not, um, we don't have awareness of no. that, of that need when we go to a conference. No, we say we it's think the we're there to learn, material. but, yeah. but really what people always remember and remark on is the connections that they mm -hmm. made. Right. And not the business. No, we're not talking connections and like business connections and handing out your cards. And it might it's, be part of it, but. Well, it is, but, but that's more not importantly the, is the human. The, yes, exactly. The, the human, human connection. connection. It's yeah. I mean, talking. Meeting people like you, talking and telling your war stories and. Well, just being able to talk about things and have them actually understand it. Yeah. That especially as we get more rarefied yeah. in our uh, knowledge. Yeah. Uh, it becomes harder and harder to have a discussion with somebody who actually have that discussion. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that we've seen come out of the last year and a half is that we really as humans generally need that connection. And we, we probably used conferences, some of us as a way to get that maybe user groups or going into an office and, you know, seeing people or whatever. And so, so there, I think there was at the beginning of this, there was some assumption that we would never really go back to in-person conferences or, you know, that remote work would just be the standard. And I think there will be some of that, but, but I think that we discovered that we weren't through that. We were not receiving the connection that we needed with other people. And it was interesting. I, I saw this most evidently when I'm on Twitter a lot and I feel like there's a decent level of connection that I maintain with people through Twitter. And some of it is, is kind of a facade of connection, but, but what showed me the need for connection more visibly during COVID stuff was when Clubhouse came mm -hmm. out and all of a sudden it was all the rage. And what it showed me was that that just like text-based Twitter was kind of not fulfilling the need for connection sufficiently and people wanted to hear each other's voices. And that's why Clubhouse like took off so quickly. It's like, oh, isn't it nice to like, like have a conversation and hear your voice and not just do it through text. So I wonder, I mean, it feels like they invented clubhouse before the pandemic right i mean yeah. they were working on it they yeah. had that idea yeah. so it, wasn't it just like... really like blew up you know a year ago or whatever is i think people were really feeling this need yep. deeply yep but at first i mean for the longest time i didn't understand that what these conferences that we do up here were about that i really thought oh we're doing cuz I have a, we're educating people. We're educating people. And I had this long history because I was um, the chair of C++ and Java tracks at the Software Development Conference. And that was a lot of, you know, organization of people presenting things and all that. And then when the Borland Conference came along, 
they had the software development conference had a whole staff of people you know this is a big thing they had then yeah. they made their money off of trade show floor space. okay yeah the exhibitors yeah exhibitor space and so when the internet came along and they and i said you know people this is a really expensive it's not just what you charge they're taking developers and they're putting them in the booth and that's really expensive for them they're gonna not want to do this anymore and they have the internet you know they're not handing out discs for you to try their product anymore and they kind of got that the the conference but they said the next words out of their mouth was that's where we make all of our money yeah. and i thought okay this conference is doomed <laughs> because they can't let go of that they have yeah. to let go of that whatever yeah. it costs so they didn't let go of it and they went out of business yeah um but the Borland conference had one person and a server and that's how they organized the conference that's how they got all of the talks and that's how people signed up and i thought oh this changes everything you know how can mm. we even do this more um this this sort of low overhead creation of conferences and i was walking around at a i don't know numerous conferences i suppose talking to people about this and finally i mentioned it to martin fowler who i'd known for years from other things and martin said well let's try an experiment yeah and and we ended up trying numerous experiments up here in crested butte and um we tried a bunch of things and it's interesting. I don't know. It, I guess everything makes me think of functional programming these days because <laughs> that book. Oh, I love to hear you keeps, say that. Keeps, <laughs> well, it keeps messing with other things in my head. And, you know, just realizing, oh, we didn't know what problem we were solving because initially we, mm. we put, we said, okay, well, everybody will be in the same room, of course, because it was a small group. You know, it was, I don't know, maybe. 15, 20 people at the most. So we'll put everybody in the same group at a big table. And then we'll, um, initially we had everybody like come up with topics that they wanted to talk about. Cause we wanted this to be an unstructured kind of spontaneous thing. And then we used um, a technique called dot voting where you had, I don't know, 10 dots. You could put them all on one thing if you wanted, you could distribute them. And then we would order our list by the number of dots that yeah. each thing got. And then we would have this conversation in a single room. And the now, of course, I see the problem is that you didn't have any freedom. Mm. And if somebody wanted to use up all the airspace. Um, there wasn't a mechanism to. There was no other place to go. You yeah. were, it's like you were either here or yeah. you were, you know, you were not participating yeah. at all. And that was in hindsight, but initially it was like, well, how do we communicate to the person who's talking too much? Feeling the tension of being stuck, but not being able to do anything about it. Right. And then uh, Mark. So you're iterating. And this was like, what, 20 years ago or something that you started, mm. you started experimenting with this? Because yes. you came to, well, maybe. Like 15 years ago, I started coming up to the to the architecture summit. Yes, that was it. Yeah, because yeah. this was. I think that was initially what we called it, the the Software Architecture Summit or yeah. something like that. Right? Yeah. Or we had some name for it. And all these, you know, people who were invited were often authors and speakers. Mm -hmm. And so they were, you know, yeah, they were used to like rolling, you know, once they got onto something, they could just keep talking and talking. Yeah. And so, yeah, the whole, how do you, how do you have a conversation when everybody's used to doing public speaking? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a little hard. Well, and you it, didn't, I think at the beginning, you didn't realize that, like you said, one of you, what, what did you need? And the need was for not to be talked to, but to participate in a conversation so that you could connect. Mm -hmm. But it took you many years to. Yeah. We, we didn't. Need. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, naturally, you know, it's like inheritance polymorphism. Naturally, everybody's got to be in the same room. You know, everything's got to be the same base type. And it's like <laughs> not questioning that. Yeah. And so I, at one point I came up with these little cardboard triangles with colors on them. And there was green, which is 
I like what you're saying. Keep going. There was yellow. I'm starting to get tired of this. And then there was red, which is please stop now. Yeah. Those did not work. People didn't want to use them. Yeah. Feels uh, offensive. It does. Well, and also it's like, well, I mean, I don't want to hear this anymore, but I don't know about everybody else, et cetera. It didn't, it didn't give you the right choice, but then Martin came across, um, the open spaces yeah and it was like oh okay you know there's a structure there is a structure but it's way less restrictive than this and one of the important things is you have more than one conversation going on and if you don't want to listen to this one for whatever reason doesn't matter i mean maybe yes maybe there's somebody in there who's talking too much yeah or you're not interested in this conversation whatever you have a choice you can go to another one you can find somebody else who's not interested in anything and go get coffee. You can take a nap, you can do whatever you want. So before we get into the law of two feet, I just want to mention that there is another name for this structure that is called lean coffee. And that's become kind of the more modern, I think, um, terminology for, for the structure, but it's essentially the same. So if you've heard the term lean coffee, we're basically. Talking well, about and also unconference unconference. I think unconferences didn't generally have, the same structure they had the same destructure mm-hmm. <laughs> but but um but not necessarily the same structure so i do want to hear about the obviously I, i've been to many of these so i know about the structure of, you were part of, of the evolution of the spaces thing. but um yeah but tell us about the law of two feet so the law of two feet is and this is even challenging to people because you know if somebody's talking and you get up and leave Eh, oh, you're worried about sending a message. Oh, you know, they're going to think I'm bored or whatever. So it's still hard to get people over that. But generally, I feel like I see it happen. I try and model behavior. It just means, hey, if it isn't working for you, I usually add that, okay, look, if you're in the room and you're bored, you're actually bringing the energy down. And I just read an article hmm. where they were saying, you know, there seems to be something about people being in the same room that, you know, we haven't figured it out, but there seems to be like some sort of mystical energy. I, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was hesitating on using the word pheromones, myst- mystical connection, but, but, you know, they talk about uh, mirror neurons and things like that. Hmm. It seems like there's some kind of connection going on that we haven't put our finger on, but we can see evidence for. Hmm. And so it's like, okay, so if I'm in this room and I'm bored and I'm, and I'm, you're affecting that energy, I'm affecting that energy. And even if I'm just looking bored you know right. even if we it's like very subtle yeah subtle, subtle cues, cues that you like, can't hide so you're actually i i i say this to encourage people to get up and to leave use the law to say people. look you're actually kind of damaging the energy in that room so you're helping mm-hmm. so really do feel totally justified in, in going and finding some. It took me many years to feel comfortable with it. And I still have some strategies that I use so that I feel okay with leaving. Um, one of those is I'll like, look at my phone, like, Oh my gosh, something important is happening. And you'll, you know, make it obvious do, that it's not about you. I just have to go deal with this. You're doing theater. <laughs> That's right. You're like, yeah, yeah, but but you have to do it to go, okay, I'm sending the message okay, so I'm being polite and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. and so just people... so that I feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely was hard to embrace the law of two feet, but it's such a, it, it is foundational to the structure because it it creates this corrective mechanism where if somebody is talking too much, in the ideal scenario, if everyone else doesn't want to hear them anymore, then they all get up and leave. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think it does that, but then it also, it allows this fluidness where it's like, you know, this, I, I'm not feeling it in this session. Let me go try this one and see if that one's, if I'm going to connect with that one. And, um, yeah, so it's, it, it, for me, it's totally changed my mindset on, on how, how a space can be used or really multiple, it requires multiple spaces, but how multiple spaces can be used to facilitate everyone getting what they need mm-hmm. in, in this connection um, and education uh, place. As much as possible, of course. That's I mean, mean, there's always yeah. 
there's always, but, but I mean, that's what we're trying to do, which is um, this NVC workshop that I take. Um, the leader is regularly talking about um, at least acknowledging all needs. You know, you might not be able to meet all needs. If somebody says, well, I have to have everybody listen to me for an hour, mm. then we might not be able to meet that need, but at right. least we can say, oh, okay. It sounds like, you know, you would, like to have everybody and let's you know maybe we can create a space for that for for people who want to listen to you give a presentation mm -hmm. um we'll create that space and see who shows up yeah and that's okay you know it's yeah. like but no guarantees we yeah. can't we're not going to force people <laughs> to, yeah. which is basically the structure of eyes forward presentations especially if there's nothing else going on right yeah. Um, like when Luciano and I went to the Go conference, I was one of the early ones. It was like, well, there was nothing else happening. He he tweeted. Uh, you could only you could only go to an eyes forward session. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they had, you know, and there were some that were f like full, so you couldn't go to those. Mm. And so what he did is he tweeted that he was having his own little open spaces session nice and he sat at a table and put a card up or something and people came and they had a discussion so nice. because he had come yeah. to some of these so yeah. anyway that was this is That's luciano cool. romalo who's the writer Author of, of python uh python something yeah, the really super good python book <laughs> yeah and he's coming out with he's just finishing his second edition yeah. Um, so, okay, so we've got Law of Two Feet, which is a critical piece mm -hmm. in in the conferences that, that you do up here uh, and will be the structure for the mm -hmm. conference, the Summer Tech Forum, mm -hmm. STFU, uh, Summer Tech Forum Unconference. Yes. And there's a few other elements that I wanted to talk through with this that are interesting. Um, there's the, the, the the idea board or i don't know if there's a name for that how we how we uh create the session ideas but maybe tell us a little what do i do about I it. that's the i don't know the grid or whatever it is the grid. yeah yeah because it's got the rooms and it has the times and it's a it's a big sheet of paper and then you have post-it notes and if you have a topic that you're interested in talking about you don't have to be an expert you don't have to you just it just has to be something you're interested in and you put the title of the talk the talk the present the discussion session yeah. the session thank you title of the session and then you put your name on it and that's only because that's not because you own it or anything it's just because um you sometimes uh, some grid organization needs to happen right can, can we move this one here right can we combine these or um, maybe this is two topics or yeah. something like that so some adjustment can happen uh, well does regularly yeah. happen so it's it's the it's a fluid mm -hmm. grid of of things going on right. so it allows uh one of the great things is that it allows if you have a session and you go oh we've just thought of a new thing and then you create a new session yeah based on yeah. that and yeah so we um the the grid is generally open for the whole week mm -hmm. uh usually things fill up more kind of at the beginning and then as we progress through they they you know fill up the later slots as well as people have other ideas or conversations spur things mm -hmm. um and there is all that rearranging but then i wanted to come back to the dot voting because we've sometimes used dot voting sometimes not and we primarily use it as capacity planning. It's like, okay, this room fits 10 people. This room fits 40 people. And the dots allow us to it's adjust. Kind of an RSVP. Yeah. Yeah. Allow us to adjust the um, where where different yeah. things if go. But we haven't always used it. And, no. and things seem to work without it. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. the The ability to allocate rooms to sessions is the most important thing and the rest of it is kind of like oh yeah it figures itself out and and even when it's like we discover oh we put this in the small room and but there's there's a whole ton of people let's spontaneously move it to a bigger room yeah or do it a second time or do or, it yeah you know. that's true that's yeah. true and we've also and there's so, also there i think we've also been able to do capacity implicit capacity planning because we're we're 
the the people that are doing the board or well everyone's doing the board organization but everyone's pretty aware of like what's going to be a popular session there are some surprises but Mm -hmm. but generally it's like all right any session that barry is put his name on is going to be amazing and everyone's going to want to be there because barry is amazing and (laughs) barry always says you know, he says the interesting little bone mows. Yeah. But he's just, I don't know. For some reason, his his sessions are always like what everyone wants to talk about. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard not to think that, uh, you know, if Barry Hawkins is holding a session, <laughs> that's going to be interesting for yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. So so we haven't, we've, we've, I think, on and off tried the dot voting but we haven't necessarily needed it in most scenarios. Right. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I've been kind of hunting for. Again, it makes me think of functional programming because it's like, well, what is the fundamental algebra that you have to have to make this thing work? And then what else is just implementation details that mm. it's like, yeah, dot voting can be helpful, but it's not essential. Mm-hmm. What's essential is you to be able to look before a session and go, what do I want to talk? What do I want to go see? That's, that's the, the structure that you need. And without, then it's just chaos. Yeah. And I, I've seen other things like that too, where, um, often we end up focusing on the wrong thing, Mm. like having everybody in the same room. And when, what the really essential thing is about all of this is, uh, creating, connections creating discussions you know and so when we go on a hike yeah or you know some other event we end up having these really interesting discussions because for some reason there are people who go oh we're just going on a hike now i can talk about this thing that i would be too uncomfortable talking about like in an official capacity right it's like oh so we need other something to support that yeah or um, one of the things that we discovered, I'm sure Bill came up with this idea when we, when we had this, we've had this session twice where women talk about their experiences in technology and there's an extra constraint on that, which is men can only ask questions. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of a sudden that changes the whole shape of the interaction. Yeah. And it's really important. Yeah. And yeah, it's, um, constraints can, can be really freeing <laughs> absolutely i mean and and then of course it's the right constraint it's like well, right. what do you need you know what's the uh, what's what are the two things that you need to define a monad you need <laughs> a unit and a flat map and everything else can be derived from that so those essential things yeah. are it's like how do you find those yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah and in the case of that wonderful session where the men can only ask questions, maybe one of the essential things is there can be no mansplaining or men trying to fix problems. And because mm-hmm. uh, the goal is connection. And yes. And, and what's, what's the barrier to connection? Well, men, men. Well, right. So <laughs> we need to put the constraint on them, <laughs> right. especially when we're having this session, but the things that are able to be brought out in that situation are amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's because of that constraint. Yeah. 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 So we've got the, the structure with law of two feet and the grid. Um, and then talk just for a moment more about the, the balance of time in the week of the conferences you do across like the, the session grid time and the extracurricular time. Oh, right. So we, Usually, well, I mean, there's a couple of things about that that I learned over time. Initially, it was like, oh, people aren't, um, you know, finishing sessions and then they want to go get coffee and it's just taking too long. We got to control these people somehow. And then <laughs> then, then it was, oh, maybe we should just shorten the session and allow more break time. Yeah. And it's like, yep, that was the solution don't try so yeah. so whenever you find yourself thinking how do we make people do something just in general yeah stop and take a it's pause kind of a good summary of your journey with conferences is learning to let go and not try to control people we're trying to serve them we're not to but well and then you know 
historically conferences have been very patriarchal. Yeah. So it's not surprising that I took a while to yeah. take apart those. Well, and that was typical conference oh. thing was, was here is, here's what we're going to make you do. <laughs> well, right. And it came from uh, the education system. Yeah. I mean, it's just basically different kind of education, right? So right. we use that and they say, here's your curriculum. Here's what you have to do. Yeah. And, uh, and here's this, here's where you got to start and here's how fast you have to move. Yeah. All of the things are controlled and we're trying to remove all of those. Yeah. We're trying to say, Hey, if this is going too fast for you, ask a question. There's probably a bunch of other people in the room who have that same question. It's going too fast for them. Slow down. Um, going fast isn't going to help you learn anything. Yeah. So the so a typical day, um, you know, run us through a typical day at, at the conference. Well, the the main days um, in the summertime, because in the afternoon we often have the kind of monsoon storms. So in the summertime, we have outdoor activities in the morning uh, when it's typically clear and those are usually like um, little hikes um, uh, some people may want to go on mountain bike rides or I don't know, go swim in a lake or something like that it's it's kind of it's pretty spontaneous but we usually like tell people here's what's going on um, actually or people get together and work on projects if people they want to. people get together and work on projects um, often well we use slack a lot and so, um, like, if somebody wants to go to breakfast or whatever, they'll announce on Slack, well, I'm going to try and go to this place for breakfast. Try, I say, because uh, we don't have, we have less places available shortage. now. Yeah. yeah so, um, difficult. Or I'm going to do this for breakfast, or we're going to have breakfast yeah. at Bruce's house or something like yeah. that. And then people see that and they go, oh, that sounds good. I'll do that. And so then people organize themselves into morning activities. Yes. The self-organization part is, I think, what really fascinates me about this whole thing. And with the co-working space, I've tried to figure out how to make that self-organizing. And so far, I've kind of, I mean, it works, but it doesn't feel like what I was unclearly hoping for yeah for that so that has more work to do yeah. um and so yes there's always this ability and it gets better and better as the week goes on of somebody going hey i'm interested in this and i want to explore it is anyone else interested mm -hmm. and there usually is no yeah. And, um, but then in the afternoon we have, we do have times when we start the sessions and I think we usually start it in the summertime, one, one thirty, something, something like that. We yeah. do an hour, hour block for a session. Uh, uh 50 minutes. 50 we minutes. reduced okay. it so that we could have the half hour break. Okay. Yeah. And, a 30 minute break. So we yeah. usually do three different session blocks. Yeah. Something like that. I and think then, the first day I'm explaining how this works. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then self-organized for dinner stuff. And then. Mm -hmm. Usually two of the nights we do lightning, lightning talks, talks and yep. people sign up for those. And mm -hmm. that's people's five minutes to get in front of people and present. Right. Since and <laughs> that can be anything that can be like one of the most memorable ones that I, um, that still sticks in my head is this guy who was talking about cave diving and he was showing his pictures and nothing to do with technology. Wow. I don't, I, didn't, I think I missed that one. I think you might have, um, cause it was pretty, it's like, Wow. I mean, and we all had questions. It's like, well, how do you make sure you don't are... die <laughs> cave diving? You know? All the memorable ones are non-technical, surprisingly. Often. Like Joel Neely's thing on fonts was right. fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Nexall's one on racing, car racing. Right. Traction stuff. Traction, and you're thinking, how is yeah. the car yeah. shifting its weight and putting pressure on the yeah. wheels and yeah. all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. So yeah, there was a ton of things. Ones. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, okay. Now talk about, um, so that's kind of the structure of a normal mm -hmm. day. Um, talk about the hack day. So, uh, the hack day originally was because we were doing this in the winter and we had a number of situations where we hadn't really figured out how to get people up here reliably. Mm -hmm. And there would almost always be some storm. And so people couldn't fly into Gunnison and, you know, now the high, you know, we recommend flying to Denver, carpool, 
up to Crested Butte, or there's a bus that has, you know, this chain system and they always, you know, un unless the road is physically blocked off, which does they happen, will go but... <laughs> through, which does happen sometimes. So anyway, so um, Dick Wall came up with the idea of having, oh, how about if Monday was a hack day? And then, you know, if you made it, great. If you didn't make yeah. it. But then eventually we figured out that now the hack day is really important, but it's better to have in the middle of the week after you've had some discussions and come up with ideas and, oh, here's a thing I want to explore and work on. And everybody's going, yeah, I want to learn about that too. So, it, so anyway, by Wednesday, people have had ideas about things that they want to do and they've met other people who are interested and, you know, that's all kind of settled out. And so basically the day is allocated to, uh, you know, working on whatever project you want to explore. And usually it's software related, but one year Matt Rabel and I made shot skis. Mm -hmm. So can yep. be whatever. Yep. And um, Julie put together this machine. It was the um, Bev BevOps. That was it. <laughs> it was right. the BevOps Bev machine. The and they had both hardware and software yeah. involved. And yeah. the hardware was this funky thing that they had put together with whatever lights and actuators and sensors yeah. and things that they could that was that was hilarious yeah was um awesome. yeah so there's all, all there's all kinds of, of you know it seems like there's always some kind of iot like mm -hmm. device um group that wants right. to go build something physical right. and then in the evening um people do presentations and they explain what they did yeah and some of those have been hilarious um who was the one who who I still remember the thing where he had the piece of fabric that had his slides on it that was there not because he had a projector pointing at it, but because he was actually putting the, you know, he was re dynamically replacing what was on this piece of fabric with his slide material. <laughs> and then when he snapped the fabric, it would move to the next slide. I don't remember. It was, oh my gosh. I I, you might have been there for that one. That's you might have missed that one because that yeah. was just, that was just crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and so then we have so, yeah. other, it's like, uh, probably this time we won't do a progressive dinner, um, but we'll do something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. talk about the progressive dinner. Cause that was an interesting kind of evolution in the typical winter tech forum. It was, and or it, it was, was even before that Java Posse roundup was when we, first yes, when we were doing yeah. the Java Posse roundup, um, you know, there was this eventually people started understanding oh well like the afternoon workshops that people would have i remember the first time somebody came and they said we were thinking of doing an afternoon workshop um and they described it and they go would that be okay and i go yeah and they go good because we were going to do it anyway and i thought that's self-organizing conferences for the win yeah um so then Diane Marsh came up with this idea of doing a progressive dinner. And I thought this was the dumbest idea. I'm going, no, nah, this is going to, ah, all these reasons that it's like, no, nah, this isn't a good idea at all. And, but fortunately we didn't listen to me and we tried it and it was awesome. Yeah. And it was like, it was because it was so participatory. It's kind of like your shot ski thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you did this thing that wasn't, I mean, it had technology to it, but it wasn't computer technology, but you had a different experience in doing it. And that experience was, was valid. And it's just like the, the, um, the organization behind a progressive dinner, it's like, well, the houses have to decide what they're going to make and they get together and they make it. And that's like this good team experience. Yeah. And then you have this. And some people spend all day cooking for they us. Do. They the do. They, they the make it us, a. Yeah. They make a big deal out of it. Yeah. And then you have this. Oh, and and one of the things that happened was like, well, you know, we have the entire group descending on one house, and it's chaos. And it's like, oh, we got to fix this. We got to partition we, it to break it into groups and things. That was a terrible. Another one of my terrible ideas. Yeah. And it did not work at all. And yeah. so it's like, oh, because people didn't like it. You they tried go, to no. control it. And... You tr yes. Every time you cut. And, and, and this takes me into, well, what does this say about how we try and manage our companies? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like if every time you control, try and control something thinking, oh, well, we got to do that. It's a bad idea. Boy, I mean, that's kind of like 
what companies are all about is <laughs> trying to control things. Yeah. So, the, so a little background on the Progressive Dinner here in Crested Butte. There's a lot of rental houses. Yes, and it's only the town is what six blocks by six blocks or something. It's a pretty small town, and so we. I don't know, have five-ish houses at the conference that host a, a course. Mm -hmm. And then we just walk from house to house and, and have a different course. And so, yeah. And the courses are not like, I mean, you can try and serve appetizers, but you might, I mean, physically where you're located, it may, may not make sense to try and, cause that's, you got this inertia of this yeah. group of people and they get all spread out and they start, well, they get into conversations yep. and they lose total track of where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, so you think about that and you go, okay, we're going to do it in near. Yeah. It's the, it's the, uh, what is that? Traveling the, sales. The traveling salesman problem. Yeah. So we solved the traveling salesman problem and just yeah. move the group from one thing to another, yeah. but it's okay. Yeah. You know, you have appetizers. Okay. It's food. That's right. It's what? food and, and conversation. The goal is, is the connection. And it is. that's what happens. And that's, so that's another thing that I think you begin to realize that, okay, there's a few or maybe just one fundamental principle at play here. And it's like, in this case, it's connection through conversation. Yeah. Connection through, yeah, I think it is. It's connection through conversation. And so when you realize, oh, that's the important thing. It's not about how many people can fit into a house at once. That's not <laughs> right. what you want to yeah. base your... It's not what you, you don't want to optimize on that. We want to optimize on connection through conversation. Yeah. And or it's like what we've been discussing about functional programming. What's the es essence of that? And I think it's composition. It's <laughs> yeah. composability. Yeah. And um, that's that's really and everything else is kind yeah. of implementation details. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, a picture of of what's coming up at the Summer mm -hmm. Tech Forum Unconference mm -hmm. STFU, and hopefully y'all can come up. Um, It'll be super fun, uh, and yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and and I was. Uh, it's always good to hear your kind of journey through arriving at this structure, and maybe there's more evolution to to be had there. We'll see. Oh, but, there's yeah. certainly more evolution to be had there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about mentoring yes. because we just finished having our summer intern, Wyatt, who was working on the uh, effect-oriented programming book with you and Bill and I. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's a student at CU Boulder. Yep. And let's talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah. Well, I have, I did an internship program in 2004 or something, mm. and I'd never done one before. And I could have been. I could have bought a car for what that cost me because I, I found housing for them, and you know they got a stipend and they got this and that. And then there was, I think I was looking for two interns, and I ended up with like five because there were several who said, "Oh, you don't have to give me the stipend," and, and I mean I already did have the housing, so they could you know figure out how to fit themselves in, and um, and that from a productivity standpoint was hmm, not successful enough for me to want to do it again. Yeah. And fortunately with this, um, I lowered my expectations down to zero and I looked at it in terms of, and I think this is part of what you wanted to talk about. It's like, well, when you were in college, did you get summer internships or did you get any kind of thing summer jobs or whatever and in hindsight you look back and you go yeah i was i thought i was a lot more valuable than i actually was <laughs> and it was mostly a learning experience for me yeah but those learning experiences really did contribute a lot to my um you know ultimate value to the world yeah so i looked at it this way and i said you know I'm just going to look at it that way. It's I'm going to say to kind of give back paying back that you, that you, you know, were given paying forward the, the things that those, you know, I now look at them and think, Oh yeah, they were, they were like taking a, I don't know if it was a risk or maybe they knew that they were just going, yeah, he'll learn something and 
yeah. maybe one out of 10 chances they'll want to come back and work for us when they're more educated and able. Yeah. If, if that. Well, and Wyatt had a, had a wonderful experience. He wrote you a really nice thank you mm -hmm. card and said how much he appreciated and what, how we helped him learn over the summer and that he kind of learned some new perspectives on things and, um, and that he was, um, it redoubled his, you know, maybe he wasn't sure because he came in as a both half math, half yeah. computer science major. Yeah. And he shifted his major to um, computer science and a math minor. And who knows, maybe he's already done enough work for the math minor. So it's just a, <laughs> yeah. And, but he said, you know, I, I realized that, yeah, computer science is, I think maybe it was more that it was not just grinding away at programs, although there's yeah. a lot of jobs where that is what it is, but that it can be a lot more. And so yeah. he, um, he kind of said, yeah, that reaffirmed my, yeah. my interest in computer science. So, yeah. And we, we certainly, I think at least I learned a lot from having Wyatt as part of our book working sessions because he brought a different perspective and helped us see things from kind of that beginner's mind in some way and mm -hmm. asked questions that I wasn't thinking about. So it was useful for me, but also I felt fulfillment from having helped him learn yep. as well. Yep. And, and like you said, kind of the, the paint it back or paint it forward or both. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of mentors in my programming journey and uh, and I'm incredibly thankful for so many people that have that have walked with me. And as I've learned, you included, uh, we had that wonderful tweet from from uh, from Josh um, talking about how how much it's kind of changed the your thinking in Java book specifically has changed the trajectory of his life and did for me as well. But then even more personally, just you know, working with you and learning from you and in all sorts of ways, but then so many other people as well. I'm so thankful that so many people have, have done this for me. And so it was, it was fun. I don't think I've given back to the level that I've been given. So it was fun with Wyatt to be able to give back a little bit and help people learn. Um, I wish that maybe there is, but I wish there was kind of a better way to find people that want to be mentored or something. Cause I want to do more of it. It's complicated here too, because finding housing is hard. Yeah. So. And does um, it have to be in person or maybe not? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, and it's also such a great experience up here. I mean, he had a, he had a situation all set up. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Having him here was, I think, led to a much, um, much fuller experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, plus you're away from your normal world. You're up here in Crested Butte, yeah. which has got this kind of magical um, sense to it. Yeah. And so that just, yeah, that's right. That helps. just makes the whole, whole experience special, but yeah. yeah. Could you do it remotely? I mean, Google's summer of code thing is that that's mostly remote, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think it's always been remote. Yeah. Yeah. But, hmm. but I don't know. There are things, there are definitely things that you get by doing stuff in person. So connection. That... <laughs> yeah, there is that connection. Although, you know, the, the, there's a writing program at Western, which is, I don't know, it's like a year long program, but they have a short window where they bring people up. So it could be something like, what if it was a remote experience and then it ended with like the STFU. Right. And yeah. so we could bring people up for that period of time and then they'd have, you know, that would yeah. fill out their experience. Yeah. That's a thought. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that related, would be related to STFU. That would be a feat more feasible thing. Yeah. Well, let us know on our discord channel, if you have any ideas or thoughts on how to, how we mm -hmm. can all, but me personally, better mentor people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that was, it was great to have Wyatt here for the summer. Yeah. And that was a much, that was like a balancing experience for my first internship program where I was, you know, trying to basically manage employees to get them to do things. And yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, that was a frustrating experience for me. <laughs> I want employees to manage themselves. In fact, at the beginning I told Wyatt, I go, 
I'll, I want to be able to forget that, you know, that you're part of this other than when you show up and contribute things. And for the management thing was just like, you keep your hours, you decide when you're going to work and when you're not going to work yeah. depending on like, cause I, I can only work for a few hours a day and then my brain gets tired. And I, you know, I think we're all like that. We have this illusion of an eight hour day. It's like, that's. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that. that similar with Wyatt, similar to the conference stuff at, at your conferences, you at the very beginning set up the structure, mm -hmm. make sure everyone understands law to feed and, mm -hmm. and all the structure that's there. And then, and then you let go of everything. And I think that now with Wyatt, you did the same thing yep. at the beginning. You said, here's the structure. Here's my expectations, which mm -hmm. are <laughs> none. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to let go. And that resulted in a much more enjoyable experience for both you and for Wyatt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. And you can imagine trying. I mean, there's... There's a bunch of other things that have to be figured out, which I think are covered in the book, um, Reinventing Organizations. Um, but you could imagine setting up an organization that way. And the reason I started studying alternative organization structures is because a number of people at the, well, it was still the Java Posse Roundup, started saying, boy, I wish I could work for a company that works like this conference. And that got me thinking, yeah. And since I, you could say I step away from management, but I try and actually push the management away, try and go, okay, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if it's going to get done, it's got to be done by, I don't have the capacity to, to, to control this whole conference. And yeah. so I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, and that, that works really well. And it makes you wonder, wouldn't it be great to work for a company that worked that way where people weren't trying to control you all the time yeah yeah the, the non-patriarchal yeah. workspace yeah seems dreamy it does seem dreamy but <laughs> so did self-organizing conferences that's when right i first yeah. imagined them yeah yeah so um do we have energy to talk about polymorphism i think maybe we should save that because yeah. that's a pretty yeah. I mean, I think this was more of a soft, uh, yeah. uh, softer, um, discussion yeah. about things, you know, it's, this was more about how do we optimize the experience of people and their yeah. interactions and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good. And just to give the background on that, we've been having more, um, learning we've been learning more about polymorphism right and so uh so we have some thoughts on that but we'll say that for you yeah and just well i mean we could plant the seed that we can develop later which is um and i don't remember where i came across this it wasn't i'm sure it wasn't my insight but i came across something it might have been runar and paul's book mm -hmm. very possibly because that's i've been slowly going through that for the last i'm not even sure how long and Anyway, the idea that the essence of polymorphism is a function that can take more than one type of argument and everything else is implementation details. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you do it? Yeah. So I do think we've got a whole session yeah. to go through various uh, approaches, flavors and, and implementations. And, and, yeah. But it, it has changed my way of it to the point where, like I was telling you this morning, I'm now starting to feel embarrassed about some of the things that I have written in the past. Yeah. And well, we that, were classically uh, taught that polymorphism was just subtyping and yes. subtyping and virtual functions. Turns out that's not the essence. No, that isn't, but it's hard to think about it in general. Yeah. Like, well, if it's subtyping, what is that? You know, it's like generics. Well, that's different, right? That's just, yeah. you're doing something else there, but no, you're, that's a different kind of polymorphism, mm -hmm. especially when you think about it through this window of it's a function that can take different types. Yeah. Um, so let us know your questions and yes. your thoughts on polymorphism in the Discord channel. Yes. And 
and when we do the episode on that, right, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, cool. What else? Anything? Um, oh, um, there is a conference that I'm going to. The I think it's called the Rural Tech Conference. It's not very far from here. It's yeah, between, over the hill uh, in Marble. Yeah, it's in Marble, which is closer close, to Aspen. Closer to yeah, it's like on the way to Carbondale, etc. Yeah. And um, I have rented an apartment, which is the largest space you can get. You can also go camp in tents and uh -huh. things like that. But my intent is to, you know, use that apartment. Nice. And it's like three days. It's Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday. And um, I can't remember the dates, but um, I'll probably it. tweet it at yeah. some point. Cool. So, um, and that's a... That's a few weeks after the STFU. And the guy who's organizing that is coming to the STFU oh, to cool. kind of see how how things, you know, how to do open spaces. So, nice. Yeah, so it should be, that should be fun. Cool. And um, uh, and then we're just... Oh, and we should mention the workshop. Uh, yes, At thank the beginning you. of STFU. Yes. So the workshop is Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and we're going to start at 10 and just go for a few hours. We're not going to make it a grueling ordeal but the thing that um we're at least wanting you to be able to come away going i get what monads are and um and we have a chapter in the book that i've been working on with exercises and things so and then bill has been working on um actual zeo examples so it would be lovely if you could at least say oh yeah i know what a monad is and i see what Zio is doing, and here's a Zio example that I understand. Um, he's working on multiple ones, so it's possible we could go further than that. But um, that's that's kind of what we're going for. We're not. I feel like we're not overreaching, which is often the case when somebody. I just watched Douglas Crock, part of Douglas Crockford's 2012. I think it was quite a while, a while ago, ago yeah. where he's he introduced the idea of the curse of the monads, and then promptly fell into it himself after declaring that no the this i'm gonna simplify me. it you're gonna understand this i think a big problem was he was using javascript so yeah I, yeah. yeah it's like once you understand it all you could go back to javascript and go through it but introducing it with javascript was just like insanity yeah. in my opinion yeah. Yeah. but uh anyway we we may have fallen into that trap, but I don't think so. I think we may have. We're gonna actually, find out. We're gonna find out <laughs> at yeah. the workshop before STFU. If we're using science. Monad. The only way to tell is to test something. That's right. So we're gonna test it on whatever guinea pigs show up um, for <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll see everybody there. Yeah, would be. I mean, I'm expecting. I think it'll be about a dozen, which is actually a really nice amount. Yeah. So. But if anybody else wants to hop in their horse, and get up <laughs> you here. You got time. You got time. And oh, one burning question on this: Are we requiring vaccines? Yes. Yeah. You so need to be vaccinated. Bring your vaccine card. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. This is yet, yet another good session. I feel That's good great. about it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. <laughs>